0: What's going on everyone, Matt here for another awesome episode. Um, this is our first episode that I'm going to be interviewing another guest. So super, super excited. So this is the PT Profit Leverage and Lifestyle Show. I'm your host, Matt Dart. I'm here with Aaron today. He's actually one of my clients that I mentor in the industry. So I'll get him to sh- uh, share a little bit about his story and you know what he's up to but we're going to dive into you know some of his skills some of the things that he's passionate about that you guys can um relate back to your business and ultimately help you you know serve your clients and get your clients awesome results so Aaron how are you today my friend
1: Yeah I'm doing well um just finished training not too long ago so nice upper body session so yeah that's always it's always fun
0: Nice mate and if you guys aren't I'll uh, I'll get Aaron to um know, tell us where to follow him because his workouts are pretty uh, pretty advanced um, from the stuff that I do anyway. So I always learn a few things from Aaron um, watching what he does and his clients as well. So uh, remind me at the end to uh, get your socials off you at the end. But um, yeah. yeah, give us a bit of that insight, uh, you know, obviously where you train, which club are you at uh, and give us a bit of a backstory in terms of, you know, why you got into the industry.
1: Yeah, so... um run my business out of Anytime Fitness in Stafford, um, located in Brisbane. Um, And I've been part of a few gyms, but I've um, mainly stuck with Anytime Fitness for, like, since I started training, really. Um, So, like, yeah, a long time. Um, So um, I much just do my training there, normally in between clients um, or at the end or something, because it's quite convenient. But, yeah, I like it.
0: Nice, mate. What's, I know you obviously, um, you're always studying to improve yourself in terms of uh, knowledge of exercises. I know you're researching about supplement brands and stuff like that at the moment as well. But what type of training do you do?
1: Yeah, so I guess uh, going back to the history, um, I started out just trying to get big and jacked. Um, no. Which I don't know what inspires most people, but for me it was like cartoons and stuff and um wrestling, just like you know that old like the WWE and stuff as a kid and like yeah yeah and um Dragon Ball Z and stuff just used to like see them and I was like I want to look like that um so I started training to get you know to get bigger um so I guess my style was more like hypertrophy. Like muscle building bodybuilding style um and then a few people that i found in the industry kind of really pushed that like getting stronger was the best way to grow um so some of their programs was kind of centered around like progressive overload and you know adding weight and stuff and yeah so that kind of got me um I was kind of always trying to like push the weight up anyway, but I guess that just made it stuck. Yeah. Um and yeah, so um essentially I did that and I was just trying to always get stronger. And then I noticed I was like, you know, quite strong compared to other people and stuff. Um and eventually that um eventuated into uh powerlifting. So I was like, well, how do I compare my strength with other people? you know, rather than just like eyeing people off in the gym or something. So, yeah, so eventually that became um, powerlifting and I've um, probably done like five competitions now. Uh, but I always loved just getting getting bigger. So uh, my training at the moment like um or well for the last few years has kind of been what you'd call power building. So like combining um, strength or even specific strength with squat bench and deadlift as well as um you know stuff that's going to promote more growth um because if you just do kind of strictly squat bench and deadlift and specifically powerlifting training it's uh you're going to run into like opportunity cost of where you could build more muscle so um it's kind of where you find this like healthy mix of um progressing in the big three but also driving um you know a lot of hypertrophy as well
0: yeah yeah I'll just I'll dive into that a little bit because um you know I uh like my type of training yeah. that I do is like I'll do I'll, I'll do like the you know typical the bench squats deadlifts and stuff but I probably am in that boat where I'm missing opportunities for the other muscle groups to kind of build as well so I'm curious because a lot of a lot of PTs that listen to this uh you know probably finishing their course been in the industry for you know a little while but you know certainly probably not you know 10, 15 years or anything like that. So how would you um, incorporate that into like, obviously you work with some beginners, some intermediate people and some advanced people as well. So how do you have that conversation with someone that's quite new to the gym?
1: Yeah. So something you might um, graduate to um, might start off just with like the movement patterns. You might even start people off with like machines, um, but like a horizontal press. So like a a cable chest press or something before you start them on a bench press, even. Um, and then when they get like um, and then you might graduate to like a dumbbell press or a barbell press or something like that. But um, like a good example is you can use the hack squat or the V squat to kind of teach the um squat pattern because you can't really stuff that up. It's just goes up and down. They don't have to think a whole lot. But people might think, oh, the machine's doing the work for you. But no, people can learn a lot from that. And they can kind of build the prerequisites to then get under a bar and quite quickly. So you might only need to do a few weeks at like a machine-based and just follow those movement patterns, whether it's like a hinge, squat, press. And then you can kind of um, get them to a bar or something or get them to dumbbells, um, depending on what you think's best and what they want to do. Like, um, I don't force people into like squat bench and deadlift, even though a lot of my training revolves around that. Um, I might just have them do a variation of those. Um, so I think like, for instance, I think a Romanian deadlift is more specific to building a physique than a deadlift, like a conventional deadlift. So I might have a lot of people not do any conventional deadlifts and just do uh, Romanian deadlifts instead. Uh, particularly those that are just chasing like aesthetic, you know, like a look. um But if a client, you know, specifically is like, you know, I want to get my bench press up, or I love bench pressing, or I love deadlifting, then I certainly won't take that away.
0: Yeah. Not gonna lie, I don't have too many people saying they love deadlifting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, or well, you'd be you'd be surprised, but yeah, I've definitely gotten a few. But, yeah. Um,
0: for those who don't know, Aaron Aaron has the lowest average clientele clientele I've ever seen. He's seen. Average age, average age. Yes. Whereas my my clientele stems anywhere from yeah, seventeen to well, I just actually um, uh, I got someone sign up the other day that's uh, eighty three years old. <laughs> nice. And uh, here here is Aaron training mid twenties for pretty much everyone. So Yeah,
1: low, low
0: twenties even. Interesting, it's interesting mm. how um you know, different demographics. Because we're only like your gym and my gym is only twenty minutes apart, mm. but completely different demographic. Interesting. But uh, I I also wanted to dive in because like obviously you do a lot of strength training, but I would imagine, and I wanted to bring up fat loss in terms of you know doing strength training to achieve fat loss. Wanted to pick your brain a little bit yeah. about that because you know most of the general population want to you know lose fat or lose weight which essentially is losing fat yeah how would you how would you train someone to lose fat but also you know have the benefits of gaining muscle as well
1: mm. yeah great question um so That's where you can be very specific to your exercise selection. So, a good example might be like you got like a concentration curl, like, uh, you know, like elbow tucked to your knee, one arm at a time. Just um, what's another example? Oh, yeah, That's, that's a pretty good example. You got that versus like, uh, I don't know if you've seen some like Arnold Schwarzenegger's like old training videos and stuff, but like he used to love doing um, heavy barbell cheat curls where he would just load up a heavy bar, like heavy bar, slap a bunch of weight on it and just do these, and just do these, uh, yeah, kind of where you add a bit more of a swing and get a bit of hips going and what you'd call like body English. It's been like some body English into the mix and just like heave ho this gigantic weight. I think it would like often start strict and yeah. then kind of, as he's fatigued, change, add a bit more like body English to it. Um, so comparing, say like a set like that to like a concentration curl or something is like night and day difference. Like one you've got like, you know, you can pretty much do, um, the concentration curl in like a parasympathetic state. So like you're not really deviating from like your rest and digest, um, but you could draw the line at about 100 beats a minute between like where you're going between parasympathetic and sympathetic in terms of like rest and digest versus like fight or flight. Yeah. Um, so you're not really deviating much past parasympathetic just by doing some concentration curls and some other like really isolated movements. Um, but if you're doing heavy cheek curls, you're getting uh, quite sympathetic. Um, so yeah, I might program something like that. I don't cheat as much as Arnold does. Um, I'll kind of cue my clients to like go a little bit like a kettlebell swing where they, they might, um, hinge a bit at the hips, but they just stand tall. They don't like bend back. Yeah. Um, and, um, and what I might, and then I'll have them at the start actually go strict. Um keep it nice strict form and then as they fatigue we can kind of change the mechanics of it to bring some body english into it and then start like swinging it a bit as long as they don't lean back too much and then you'll get this like yeah night and day difference you got like this high ventilatory state blood pressures up heart rates up oxygens down um very different environment you're creating um and you can, you know, you can add specific rest times to that. Like maybe you're doing uh, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. Um, you can even like measure heart rate and you don't let it get too low before you commence the next set. Um, yeah. Uh, with, um, with like squats, you might pick a movement pattern where like you have no rest at lockout. So you're kind of doing like, uh, you could also call them piston squats. So like you don't really stop at the top at all, kind of like, yeah, uh, up, as soon good. as you, up you, yeah. So you can do those. You might describe like, uh, four sets of eight or four sets of 10 with like one minute rest and you'll notice like okay, some, different. um, yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a mixture of like exercise selection. So stuff that's going to kind of promote, um, more sympathetic activity, uh, mixed with like, a, you might chuck a specific like constraint to it, like no rest at or lockout or something. Or, I mean, yeah. So like that and do a specific rest time or, or make a superset, or you might do some giant sets or even do a circuit type stuff.
0: Yeah. Just, just for the people that don't know what that is, what's a giant set?
1: Uh, giant sets where like you have like, um, three different exercises. Well there could even be three of three exercises that are different, but might even target like the same muscle group in just different like say planes.
0: Yeah. So instead of a superset being just two exercises, a giant set might be three or four.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um and one that's pretty common that I might do like starter session is like um you can just use body weight. Body weight's like actually a bit underrated. Like um you might set up a circuit with like some um abs maybe some like ab wheel rollouts into some push ups into some uh inverted like ring rows or something and just like do those three like do those three rest 40 seconds do another round and you're just using your body weight but you'll generate like a lot of um um Generate like high heart rates, uh, get people out of breath, um, kind of getting them into the right energy system then to start the session.
0: Yeah.
1: It's kind of like some, um, say, Metcon, like metabolic conditioning to start. Nice. And then then you can push your strength stuff for the rest of the session, but in like a Metcon kind of way, like us talking about the squats and the um, cheat curls and stuff.
0: So would would you do that? Would you ever do strength first and then finish on that type of stuff? Or does it does it matter?
1: Um doesn't matter so much. Um I think I think what you want though, um is like people are gonna be gassed from the training that they're just gonna like really sandbag their like mechcon at the end. It's gonna be like, you, you barely get a push-up out push up out of them, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas, like, um a lot of that stuff can, what well you can call, like, movement trap like, a lot of the stuff, the exercises you can make specific to the work that's to come, and it can then potentiate the session. So, like, you might be doing, like, a goblet squat or something, which is going to, like, just like goblet squats, you know what I mean, but enough to kind of get the heart rate up, and that's going to potentiate the squat, the main squat pattern that's to come. Um, just getting you in the right pattern, you know, kettlebell swings will be good for like your, uh, rate of force development. So that's going to help with like, say, if you've got RDLs and stuff like that, um, in the session, it's going to help with that hinge pattern and just, um, creating force through the hips and hamstrings. So I like it at the start just to like, um, get you in the right energy system, get you kind of moving, um, in patterns that you're going to be using, um, thereafter. And you'll find that, you, like, um, your sessions aren't really your strength isn't really inhibited by that at all.
0: Yeah, and like, it, let's just say, um, you yeah, know, for the average person that wants to achieve fat loss, is that is it, are those type of sessions you do on a regular basis, or are they just a couple of times a week that you would do that, and then you would do the other ones just as strength or or just as cardio? Um,
1: yeah, I try, I try and do that. Like most sessions, yeah, I'll um I'll kind of start with some like met on stuff. Um and yeah, I'll I'll drive a fair bit of that to start. And then um yeah and then I'll just go into some like um yeah three sets of 10 or something. Four sets of eight um on like a heavier, heavier lift. You can also do things like um emom, like um every minute on the minute. Oh yeah. Um stuff. And you can kind of do those like you can kinda kinda go quite heavy with those. And like drive the volume up, so you might go like six sets of three, uh one minute rest kind of thing. So like the weight's fairly heavy, um, mm. even though the even though the reps are so low, you can you can driving a lot of fat loss just through that like higher ventilatory state, because, you know, you're getting under the bar, you're pumping out three heavy reps, you're only resting a minute, going back. You know, you have to like stay like fairly in like a fairly like excited state because, you know, like, oh, this weight's fairly heavy. like yeah. So you kind of got to stay sympathetic um, and mentally prepared to just do that. So that's another way you can kind of do a lower rep version and push an even heavier weight, but in a fat loss kind of um environment.
0: Yeah. What about AMRAPs?
1: Yeah. AMRAPs are cool.
0: Same, same. Same, same, but different do agree
1: same same but different yeah um well, it depends like uh because they because you're pushing so close to failure like it's some it's often worth doing that on like safer movements so like machines um or like isolation like tricep extension it's quite safe okay. um whereas am on a bench or on a squat tend to be a bit on barbell bench and squat tend to be a bit iffy um uh, yeah, as long as someone knows, knows not to go quite to failure, um, but yeah, it can be a bit scary. i say a squat doing an MRAP, yeah, but, um, but yeah, they're good,
0: yeah, okay, yeah, it'd be pretty fun if you're doing pretty heavy squats on a on an MRAP,
1: yeah, 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 you kind of want to want to spotter or want to set up some safety pins,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. What about, um, so with. What about people that uh, just for the kind of the beginners out there? What if someone just has the impression that they just need to do cardio to achieve fat loss? Mm. How do you get How do you get them like interested in lifting weights? Like typical, like like male or female, someone's brand new to a gym, they're a bit anxious about lifting weights. Yeah, How how do you get them to like be somewhat interested in doing that?
1: kind of like the sweat is fat crying people <laughs> um yeah well so one would be that like um if you're if you're doing cardio um this is kind of how I've explained it to people like if you're just doing cardio um your body's going to be fairly non-biased when it comes to where it's going to be getting that like um uh, Energy from in terms of like uh, tissue, is it going to be like adipose tissue, like fat, or is it going to be like muscle tissue? Um, if you're just doing cardio, um, there's no real signal, there's no real guidance. Um, think of it like a you know like a lighthouse, a lighthouse like guiding the ship. There's no there's no guide, so your body will kind of be like uh yeah. Non-specific, and you you know if that's your way to lose weight and lose fat, uh, you're going to get a decent amount of muscle come with that, because when most people say they want to lose weight, they just mean they want to lose fat. Yep. Um. So by doing uh, resistance training, um uh, concurrently or instead of whichever one, um, you got that signal. You got many signals actually that the body picks up on um, to hold on to that because you know muscle is a like um, an adaptation, a survival adaptation actually. Um, Not many people think of it that way, but essentially it's you've stressed the body and it's built itself back in order to survive better moving forward. Um, So it will uh, have more signals just to hold on to that muscle and be more likely kind of create the opportunity let's say to um pull that energy from fat stores so you're kind of shifting the bias of where um you know where you're going to make up that deficit of energy from is is like the best way i can kind of say
0: it so in in summary then uh there's obviously a place for cardio but not necessarily required
1: yeah, yeah. Cardio can even like help you build muscle. Um just by huh. being just by being fitter. Yeah, true. Oh, did you say how? Yeah, like, like yeah, um essentially like um your ability to like recover, your ability to handle more volume, um, your ability to kind of like um your mitochondrial efficiency. So um how well your mitochondria can like Work with oxygen to pr- to produce energy, um, to then build muscle with. So it's kind of like a lot of indirect ways to just from like being um cu- uh, like hemodynamics, like the way you can just move blood, um, and blood flow, um. Yeah, it's heaps of different ways in which just being healthier and having a good kind of cardiovascular capacity can um, set you up or set a good stage for you to um. Build muscle and get stronger so i wouldn't sleep on some some cardiovascular fitness even if you just train that way kind of like i mentioned earlier yeah um and another thing to touch on would be that um, when you build muscle um muscle has like an energetic demand that fat does not have um I think muscles at least four times or so if not more um Energetic demand than fat fat's like next to zero, um. But yeah, so the more muscle you have, the more, uh, energy calories you require, um. And when you move, there's this more contraction. There's more muscle. There's more fibers to contract for every movement you do. So you're kind of setting yourself up for just a higher metabolism, and yeah. energy expenditure by growing the muscle.
0: Yeah. So in that case, just to touch on nutrition wise, so generally to achieve fat loss, do you generally need to eat more food if you're doing strength training?
1: Um, no, not necessarily. Um, you just kind of um like eating more food will always like, you know, doesn't hurt for strength training. Um, there's always like a point of diminishing returns where like um, so it's like, ah, oh, that was like excess, you know mm. you might not know it's excess, but your body will, and they'll just get fatter as a result. So it's like it's like that point where like that that extra food is not making you any stronger than if you were eating less kind of thing. And if you compete in powerlifting, um your weight um is put into the algorithm, um so one of the metrics used is called dots and it's essentially how much you're lifting um, and your body weight. So, you know, if you drive your body weight up really high, that could negatively impact your um, score, your dots.
0: Um, What's the relevance for that score? What does that tell you?
1: Oh, that's that's how you determine the winners in powerlifting. So like of the weight class. Uh, and if it, if there's no weight classes, you might just use dots for everyone. So whoever has the highest dots wins. So like, um, yeah. So that's where it might be negative if you're if you're looking at putting a number on strength, um, because you if you haven't gotten st- strong enough proportionally to that extra weight you've put on from all that extra food, then your score might actually go down, even if you got stronger, just because your weight's gone so much higher. Yeah, right. Interesting. So so yeah, it kind of like um a good way to look at it is how is your body responding to X amount of food? How is your um, strength responding to X amount of food? And you'd probably have run a few metrics for that. So you'd look at your scale weight. You'd look at the mirror. You might do some um, measurements with tape.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sort of like that. You can, you know, jump on a jump on um, uh, what are they called body 360 360s scan. body scanners um and you know measure your body fat percentage because you know we know the scale weight by itself isn't isn't the be all and all
0: yeah just um i just want to touch on that because a lot of people like obviously i talked a lot of pts but um a lot of them don't track any of these metrics they don't do measurements like they'll they might do the scale weight but as you said it's mm. If you're just comparing the scale, there's a lot of variables Mm. that affect that. that. So, uh, what stuff do you track for your clients in terms of like measurements? Do you do any fitness testing? Do you um, obviously, how how often would you like, even how often would you review progress before you make any changes?
1: Yeah. So, when it comes to um, body composition, and like say fat loss or, or somebody trying to gain weight. Um, I think the weekly is pretty good. You could definitely do it like every fortnight. Um, but um, you know, that's just a lot, there's a lot of food in between, even a week. Yeah. Um, and the body can kind of can make some, some decent changes in a week too. So um I, I like to look about every week. Um, and yeah, I'm looking for, um, a couple of things. So definitely the mirror. So like, but like, you know, photos, um, so I took photos for any visual changes, but also comparing the visual changes to what the scale saying. So has the scale gone up, but do they look leaner? So that's, you know, that's definitely happened many times. Yeah. Um, and then yeah so one you can make one redundant or you can use that to like um like infer um some muscle gain it could be like um has the scale stayed the same but have they dropped some centimeters on their waist yeah and then you can be like oh that's that's a recomp going on you know that's a uh, fat loss occurring with muscle gain occurring and make some uh, good conclusions there so definitely good to run a couple of measurements concurrently because uh, if you're just going off scale weight yeah it's it's quite flawed and if you're just going off pitches can also be a bit flawed so i like to have a few going
0: yeah well that that makes sense because as you said like it's happened to me plenty of times before where you, know, you look a lot leaner but you've gone up in weight um as well so
1: mm. Particularly think... in beginners, um, yeah, people people new to training, particularly say people that um are returning to training as well, have a lot of muscle memory there, um, they they're kind of prime candidates where they can kind of, you know, lose a lot of fat, build a lot of muscle, and have all sorts of recomp going on.
0: Yeah, I'm curious if you can if you if you're suggesting or you can, you know, review metrics like every week um how would or how would you suggest doing that i know obviously i know your process already but can you can you share how you would do that whether it's um check-in form or whether I have to send photos or whatever it is can you give yeah
1: so um you might just like have a table say you could use um you could use an app or you could just use like excel or google sheets i use google sheets um because I like having just like a live document. Um, you could just have like the seven days and then you can get them to record their weight throughout those days. It doesn't have to be seven. I like a kind of a minimum of three. Um, you know, weight can fluctuate a lot based on stress and hydration and all sorts of stuff. So if you're just weighing yourself once a week, also quite flawed. Um, and, you know, all my kind of nutritional clients... Uh, see how flawed it can be um when once they start doing that and and have a look but yeah might have like seven days laid out and then you might be get them to weigh themselves three times three to seven times a week and then you just have that uh averaged out and then you can kind of look at like um rather than maybe looking week to week you look at the average of the week versus the average of the next week um and then um And then you might have another kind of thing next to it, which is just once a week, um, say on the check-in day, uh, like a waist measurement. Um, And then, yeah, and then get them to send some photos and uh, maybe even ask for their subjective. Do you feel, you know, know, have you been noticing anything? Um, How are your clothes fitting? So it can be like a subjective element to that where they might just put that in like a comment section. Um, and then you can always set up like a graph that just, um, that just is attached to those, uh, inputs on say a sheet. So you can just have a, a graph that will start, that will just um, populate like the average weight, um, or even the, or even the weight every time it's done and the, uh, waist measurement you can kind of like over time, um, yeah, have that graph displayed for a better visual
0: sounds like you're a bit of a wizard on google sheets mate
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i um, a lot of time on google sheets <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i um
1: you know actually uh recently a friend uh showed me the video where there was a um like an excel championship went down it's kind of like um it's kind of <laughs> like the e-games but it was like excel and there was like all these like world-class participants and I think that was a bit of an upset. I think this guy what, was a bit of an underdog, and he took it out or something. But yeah, that, was, that cracked me up.
0: How would you even do that? They'd have to solve certain formula. Oh, put, put certain- Yeah,
1: they'd, I dare say there'd be like questions about like here's a scenario, and they've got to like, you know, we have x x client is seeking, um, you know, this figure, and here are the components or something. Yeah. Um, and they've just got to, yeah, come up, probably come up with someone that gets the correct information, but also they say there's a time component to it. So that's my guess. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't watched, uh, watched it unfold or read up too much on it, but yeah.
0: Wild. Um, just, just going back to the, you know, strength training, for fat loss, do you, do you feel, um, with like retention, like one of my other episodes was talking about retention. And I talked about uh, forecasting um, results like mm. consistently. So, like one of the things that I recommend is generally every four weeks to do a reassessment of where they're at and then reforecast goals. Do you feel like because like I think a lot of like newer PTS will kind of they won't they won't have the confidence to have control. Uh, to say hey cool we're going to do this whereas they might kind of be like oh well let's just try this and try this what would what do you think the benefits are of you know perhaps combining strength plus cardio or even just strength in terms of overall retention because obviously you would have you can therefore have like strength goals which is obviously going to take a longer time than weight weight loss or fat loss for example do you think it makes a big difference in terms of retention if you're Focusing on those areas?
1: Yeah, I think if you um if you can just provide value, um, but more importantly, if the client can perceive value, probably the key, um, they're more likely to yeah, have better attention from that. So it's all you know, if you're just being like, all right, four sets of twelve and then uh jump on the stairmaster, um, and that's as far as you go. Um, you know, you like to create a staleness and some boredom, and might lose um the client's perception of uh, or perceived like value. So yeah. like, but if you um, but you could jazz that right up. You know, you could be like, this week's four sets of twelve, and that's gonna set you up for this or something, or, or that's a that's a great amount of reps for this exercise. For this movement um because of what it's supersetted with or because of the rest time associated or something if you can just explain a little bit about your personal intent behind what you're getting them to do um you know whether that's the exercise selection the the sequence that it's in um why you want them on the stair master for x amount of minutes or yeah. x amount of heart rate or whatever um so i think I think explaining things, uh, explaining the why, will um, create better adherence for one. Because they know, if they know why they're doing something, they're more likely to do it. Particularly if, like, in their solo sessions, um, and yeah, and they'll just they just have more confidence in you, because and they'll feel a bit more empowered as to why they're doing stuff, more trust, more, uh, uh, more uh, perceived value in what you're offering yeah and um and it's definitely good to check in every so often and do like a reforecast and stuff like you know i have a form and it's kind of like how happy are you with the kind of structure of the training and the program and stuff and um and then like how well does this training do you find this training reflects your goals and um, so you could do that and they might put it as a two out of five or something because you just haven't explained that what they what you have them doing is great fat loss. So they might, and they might think they might have this idea that's crappy based on a magazine they read or something. so because you haven't explained anything. Um, but at least that forms a good a good chance to then you can have that conversation. But if you're like you know telling them, your intent and stuff, like during the sessions, you'll find that you'll kind of always get vibes. um, And all they'll really offer is, all you can really do in terms of changing the direction is um when there's kind of a, when you tick off boxes, tick off goals and have new goals.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Because um I have that conversation a lot with a lot of people in terms of they need to understand why they're doing something because otherwise there's no, you know, there's no buy-in. As you said, there's no adherence to what they're doing, yeah. so of course they're gonna, you know, give up and quit. Or if they, if it gets a bit too boring and you know they're they're not seeing the perceived value, of course they're gonna get up and leave. So um, my question to that is, how often? So how often would you? I know you you like you would review things, you know, every now and then, like possibly per week or even per month but in terms of the stuff that they do on their own some PTs have differing differing opinions on this some trainers like to have like the same exercises for like a whole i don't know 12 week period so they can track that performance of those exercises whereas some yeah. trainers they might change the exercises you know every week possibly or even every couple of weeks so there's more variety do you feel, do you think that makes much of a difference and if so why
1: Yeah, great question. Um, So in terms of like, I guess you can get into kind of like the progressive overload there. So like a lot of people get very um, like one mind, like, you know, um, dogmatic even about progressive overload. Like the only way is to add weight to the bar. There's so many ways to progressively overload. Um, We can shorten rest. You can add reps, you can add sets, you can, um, add a tempo, you can add pauses, use lots of different things. Um, so I think like having the same exercise, um, just allows it to be easier to track progressive overload because you're not really changing anything. Um, uh, I, I think, I think there's no harm in either way. I think, um, I think kind of the the client should have some input on that, um, as well as yourself. Like, you know, if someone's giving somebody cranky elbows, you know, let's find a substitute. Um, if if someone just hates an exercise, like find a substitute. You don't have to do it for twelve weeks just so you can say that you progressively overload that exercise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like. If there's no problems with it, um, you'd probably, probably, you might, like, you could definitely run that just for ages, particularly if it's a great exercise for that muscle group. It's no, you could kind of run that really year round. It's it's no harm to run an exercise year round, even. Um, But yeah, you might change it for just to give some clients some variety, uh, get into a bit of a different movement plane. There's a thing. You, there's like an adaptation you can get called um like pennation angle, where kind of like um your tendons uh will kind of like adapt. They'll kind of like stiffen and even like um uh, change um uh, position and stuff a little bit uh to make it to make a certain movement pattern more efficient um uh, so that's why I like another which kind of puts the spanner in the works of progressive overload. It's like you know that doesn't mean you've got built more muscle. You might have just got uh, more neurologically adept at that pattern. You might have got some penation angle um adaptations which allow you to squat easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's nothing to do with building muscle. Um, so another reason you might change an exercise is just to be in like kind of a different um uh movement pattern for the same muscle group. But just so you're not getting those um those um, yeah those adaptations. You kinda like, you know, people think about shocking the muscle. Um, it's not really shocking the muscle, it's just kind of providing a slight different stimulus if you've um yeah, run into some some a lot of adaptations.
0: Well said, well said.
1: Yeah, so I don't mind doing it for the sake of that. And then you can just explain that intent to the client.
0: Yeah. Again, if if people know why they're doing certain things and kind of where they're at, then there's not a whole lot of reasons why they would need to leave the service. Okay.
1: Changing a tricep push down to a overhead rope extension, for example, kind of, you know, working mm-hmm. the muscle in different lengths and um, same, same muscle, you know, all the same tri- sort of tricep, but... It's different planes of motion and stuff, different positions.
0: Yeah, love it. Sounds good, mate. Um, so if anyone wants to learn off you, because I know a few PTs actually use your service to learn more, um, as well. So if you want to hit Aaron up, where can they find you on the socials, my friend?
1: Yeah, so I'm uh under Gorgonite Performance. So if anyone that's seen the Movie, Small Soldiers, who so you know where the names inspired from. Um, but yeah, Gorgonite performance on um, pretty much all of the socials. If you find me. Um, always chucking up some stuff in the stories.
0: Yeah. Awesome stuff. Great conversation, as always. Uh, the last question, uh, I'm kind of finishing on this one. Yeah. Because you're obviously very knowledgeable about, about this stuff. So do you have a recommendation like obviously we can learn off yourself as well but is there is there someone else on social media whether it's a pt or whoever that um that people can follow to find out more about you know the performance side of things the strength training you know even powerlifting got anyone in mind
1: uh anyone in mind um oh No, no one, no one comes to mind too much. I mean, uh, Eric Helms, um, he puts out some good stuff and has a good podcast, um, but yeah, I've I just get my information off like so many different people, and there's no like, there's no like, um, I kind of like work out what makes sense from everyone and kind of put it all together so i can't really say any one person cuz a lot of their stuff i disagree with um but some of their stuff i'm like that's a great idea and i'll you know cherry pick that stuff so it's a bit hard to give out one person um i like following a lot of people that just put up you know crazy gnarly strength feats but they don't really provide much education on it they're just they're just savages so uh, if you're looking for a savage to follow um mm.
0: Oh yeah, I gotta just throw it out there, throw one out yeah. there.
1: Um, Otherwise, so, everyone's
0: just gonna follow you because you're you're the top dog, mate.
1: I'm a bit of a savage, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, what's his name? The Australian fella. Uh, I can't even think of it. It's Aussie fella. His name's Tom. He's like, wow. hundred fifty kilos, six foot eight. Um, uh, trains in like. Like his landscaping, long pants, boots. Uh yeah, he's he's great. He's great to watch. Good Otherwise, you. yeah. Um, feel free to slide into the DMs, happy to answer any questions and talk shop.
0: Awesome. Sounds good, mate. Appreciate your time.
1: No worries. Thanks, mate.